0: Kamanetsky Brothers here on 710 ESPN. Um, as we continue to to talk about, to to reflect on, to celebrate the life of Kobe Bryant, we're here until noon. George Sedano and Michael Thompson will follow us uh, at noon until 3 uh, when Mason Ireland come on the air. So uh, staying with you all day long, staying local again today, all day long, as as we as a city continue kind of working through all of this together and you know i know andy it was it was starting the morning show and um started yesterday we did some of that just the 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 idea of inside the grief and inside the 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 difficulty that people are feeling and we'll take some more of your calls and keep sharing some but these stories that people have of kobe and and what kobe that that's the time they met him and what it meant to them or the 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 funny thing that happened when they saw him and uh, you know, I know today we plan on on you know passing on as many of those kinds of memories. I mean, I know last night I was watching uh, you know the, the final game on ESPN. They rebroadcast that uh, last night, and just I sat in my you know my kids never want to go to bed. They they always you know figure out any reason to stay up a little later, and so you know we kind of sat and watched that together, and they they saw the Jordan Clarkson slam dunk, which. Uh, you know, they thought it was really cool, and the three pointers really cool, and um, you know all of this stuff. And it was, it was just a, a great reminder of it's, man, it's just it was so much fun to watch this guy play. And I had forgotten Andy in that game. It's you know, it sounds stupid to say it this way. He only had, like, 42 or 43 with, like, five or six minutes to go. Like, it wasn't like he was sitting on 57 for four
1: minutes. Like, he piled up some stuff at the end of that game. But the thing about that game, and I've said this many times, Brian, is if you had told me before Kobe's final game, you got to choose one or the other, puts up 60 points or puts up 50 shots, what is the bigger likelihood? Oh, it's 60 points. It's not even close. I did not. I mean, because look, you think about this. You know, Kobe's going to get a little bit of referee love in this game. It's his final game. The
0: the moving screens that Julius Randle was setting in that game were epic. He looked like a pulling left tackle. Kevin Garnett's looking at him going, I salute you, sir. I
1: mean, those were not legal. Right. Absolutely. And Kobe's going to get the benefit. He's going to get the benefit of those whistles. Um, you also Can you imagine that- if somebody called him for a charge in game. <laughs> you also knew that Kobe was going to put up a lot of threes I mean just he was at a stage in his career where he had to pick his spots when he drove and we saw over the co- course of Kobe's career that he would go on these crazy roles with three-point shooting you know he he at, at one point I don't know if he still holds it but he had a three-way record with Steph Curry Danielle Marshall, and Kobe like 13,
0: three pointers. 12, 12, 12 and minutes. one. Steph, game.
1: Steph broke it. Yeah, Steph eventually broke it. But the three of them held that together. And so I, I figured okay, Kobe's going to, if there'd be a possibility that Kobe could end up hitting 60 just because of those parameters. He is not physically capable no. of putting up 50 shots. Kobe had never put up 50 shots Kobe Bryant. in a game. He shot more than. He shoots too much. He doesn't oh. never shot 50. No, he has a not. lot. And I'm talking games Kobe played that went to triple overtime mm-hmm. in his prime, never put up 50 in a game, 50 shots. I would have said he's not physically capable I think he of doing would have
0: that. Thought that too, and but like the game was just—it was so much fun to watch again because you sort of saw all of it. You saw the, you know, his amazing capacity for the moment and for theater and all this. But you also—it's like there was a, a play where because remember the Lakers were behind also by I think fifteen or sixteen points five minutes to go and you know they they make this comeback they're starting to put it up and kobe's making shots and they're and they're getting closer there was a play that broke down and you know utah gets an easy layup or something like that and you see kobe take the ball out of the basket slam it to the ground like he's ticked like he's like they he's still trying to win the game like he's, he's like all of this stuff like these habits like the game was completely this there's, there's a lakers team that won 7 this was their 17th win that season Utah was out of the playoffs at that point the game meant nothing in terms of the standings but like these habits uh, you know he gets to the bench and he always kind of you know giving himself the little the taps on the chest and you see the the the, the teeth and the jaw, jaw jaw and all that and then there are all these these other little moments because and you know this is both you know kind of heartwarming and a little bit gutting at the same time but you know they they cut consistently in the broadcast who is family sitting and watching him play um and his daughters and there was a moment coming out of a timeout where you know he would just gone from you know serious Kobe and kind of sitting there with you know the jaw and this and pointing to the crowd and tapping his chest and all that and he kind of the way they cut it, you could tell he was looking at his family and they were cheering him on and all they were going crazy and he just gives him like this little smile and a little wink like hey I know what this is I'm 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 having fun here and yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy this happened, and and you're here watching this
1: too. My my, my daughter last night when I was putting her to sleep, uh, she's eight. Um, she went to sleep last night wearing a, a Shack City jersey. You know, because uh, they recently released that one better this than year. the Magic ones, right? Yes, um, they released that one this year, and we, a bunch of us in the media got some of the leftovers, and I gave my daughter that one. She was wearing that when she went to sleep. But she actually went to sleep holding the Kobe jersey that she has like a teddy bear. Oh. And I was just like, oh, God. Oh, man. Like, you're breaking me. You're absolutely breaking me with this. But as I was putting her to sleep, and I'm just sitting in there until she finally falls asleep. She wants me in there. I'm flipping channels. And Spectrum was replaying 81. And it was right when the second half began of '81, so I just started watching it because it's it's the first time I've seen that game in a while. You and I were there. We were there. I've watched it once since, but it, it's been it's a entire. while. I've seen highlights, and there are some elements of that that stand up. First of all, just the shots that Kobe was making in the second half of this game to get the Lakers back in, because people forget they were down big in this game. Like this was not just Kobe putting on a scoring exercise. No, they need. And this is a game they needed to win against a horrible Raptors team just to get in the playoffs. And these shots, Kobe, that he was making were just jaw dropping, like just jaw dropping in their precision because he recognized like, okay, we don't have time. Like every single one of these shots that I put up, we need to make Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the deficit. There's no time to bleep around here. And he was like just catch and shoot shots, like just catch, plant, shoot. Or if there's like such a thing as a no dribble pull up, like he was somehow doing that. And you just watch this and the the jaw dropping just intensity and precision that was going on with Kobe in this game. It's easy to lose sight of that, you know, with just with just distance and everything else that he did over his career. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. It's 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 always worth. And yeah, you know, you, you'll you'll hear coaches and players talk about it. You know, the, go back and watch the highlights on YouTube of this and that, whatever. But I think the amount of people that are doing that, you know, in these last few days, and will continue to, and just it you just with time you forget a little bit. And you know, it's I, I've been going back, and you look at the the old eight highlights and like you know because the kobe we covered was more 24 all 20 was all 24 we were around it we saw it but like you know but like that's not who we covered and but again that was 20 years 20 25 years ago at this point so you forget some of these things how he moved then and what the kind of athlete he was and jumping through the gym and the elevation all that there's so much that you're kind of reminded of about what kobe uh, was as a player and those are some of the things that we'll we'll get into today uh 877 espn is the number obviously we'll be taking your calls and then hearing your stories about Kobe Bryant um and also uh pass on the news talk a little bit about the news uh regarding tonight's game LeBron James also uh responding on Instagram we'll talk about all of that between now and noon Brian Kaminski and Kaminski 710 ESPN Get to the uh, news about tonight's uh, game that has been postponed between the Lakers and Clippers in a second here. But first, let's go to Adam in L.A. You're on with the Kaminski brothers.
2: Hey, guys. I uh, don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, you know, I just wanted to focus on, you know, a lot of the positive. Um, You know, obviously not of the situation, but of of what Kobe really brought to, you know, brought to L.A. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm 26 years old, born and raised in El Segundo, California. And, uh, if people don't know that, that's, uh, that's where the Lakers, my home base is for practice. Uh, and it always has been. So, you know, obviously had to go to their original spot, uh, where they practice. And, you know, obviously their new UCLA health center is, is amazing and all the love and support out there is, is amazing to see. But. You know, I just went and, and stood outside the Toyota Center for a while because, you know, I, I had the opportunity to, uh, watch the Lakers practice a couple times. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a low level professional soccer player and growing up watching him, it's, 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 it was so inspirational knowing what he gave to the game. And, you know, obviously they're two different games, but knowing that he loves soccer and, and what he meant to, you know, our little town of El Segundo is, is heartbreaking, but, you know, the positive I want to focus on is, is remembering all the, all the times he, he helped us bring our family and friends together just, just to watch him play.
0: And, um, Adam, thank, thank thanks so much for the call. And I, this is, I mean, we know this, you know, because we, you know, we, we've covered Kobe, we've been, you know, we started the l a Times blog back when blogs weren't quite you know nobody really were, knew what they were and deep fan interaction, which was always an interesting process and all that but like you 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 it's easy to forget doing what we do where you're kind of connecting the athletes and you're you you know we're as interactive with fans of athletes, probably most journalists are more than most journalists, but you still kind of forget like what makes these guys resonate and why our athletic heroes are so important to us and what they inspire and all that. And we've, we've heard so many stories like that, uh, Andy, in these last couple of days of, of how Kobe inspires people and why Kobe inspires people. And it's really, it's, it's cool to hear.
1: Well, particularly too with Kobe and, and the arc that he had over his career and the ups and the downs and the controversies. And for people that were fans of Kobe, the entire time like there was a personalization of that fandom that and that connection to kobe and you know during the darkest periods of kobe's career as a kobe fan you would find yourself not just defending kobe but defending your fandom of kobe and that you know during the absolute height of kobe's controversies like that was something that you had to do regularly. And after a while, you could see that and feel. And, and we discussed this with fans. There was a badge of honor among Kobe's fans for being the ones who would do this and being the ones that would ride or die with Kobe. And, you know, it was almost a contest to be the biggest Kobe fan possible. You know, like you, you wanted to show that, you know, you had more skin in the game. Being a Kobe fan than this other guy who you also and knew like when people, had a fair amount of skin. Like I love when people
0: call you know our show or they call you know our station. You know, I've been a Laker fan since 1973. The next guy <laughs> comes and he says, "Well, I've been a Laker fan since 1969. i nine. I'd been keeping tabs on
1: Jelly Bean, and I right. knew that he'd one day have a son, and I got in early." I
0: on remember thing. when I sat next to President Coolidge when I was watching the Lakers play, and it was a very different game back then. But I mean, and, but
1: I, I've never, I've never seen anything before and i and i doubt i will ever see i I think
0: you're right about that Andy. but what what even goes beyond that is the way i think that the the because he was here for so long and because he was so specific in how he did what he did the way that kobe penetrated even non-basketball fans and their consciousness of work ethic and all these things and like sort of understanding what it was that kobe represented um i was listening you know on the way home last night i was listening to, to sliwa and he had a, a guy on who was talking about like his mom barely spoke english it was an immigrant family and barely spoke english and she recognized like what her son's Interest and dedication, and Kobe did for him in school, in his sports, and all these things, and cried when Kobe died. And like, she's not a basketball fan; she's not. She just understood what that ethic represented. And I've, we've heard stories and more stories of that. And it's it's just it's an important reminder of what the impact that these guys can have, and why it's important that you know that it is uh, Kobe was so dedicated to signing that last autograph and shaking hands and personalizing stuff for fans, why LeBron does it that way, why when we have athletes who are willing to take those steps, even when they probably don't want to, because for every one you have, there are a thousand more, they recognize the impact that 30 seconds with them has. And it's
1: very profound. Yeah. And, And particularly for somebody like Kobe, who's, you know, his career... Was very singular, just in in terms of how unique it was, mm-hmm. and, and the career arc that there's really no comp to in in the NBA. But also too, there were complications with with that career, and, and you know the the good and the bad of it all. It, it made Kobe somebody that when when you were invested in him and invested in his success and invested in everything that he brought onto the court, it just it just created this experience for fans that, again, I've never seen anything like it before. Keith and Costa Macy, you're on with Kamenetsky Brothers.
3: Hey, guys. Um, well, I get that beat. I've been a fan since 1967. There you so go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Anyways, um, I got the pleasure, and I'll say pleasure, of meeting uh, and getting Kobe's autograph once. I have a Laker jacket that actually has a signature of all the retired Lakers on it and um, that I've gotten over 20-some-odd years. And when I went up to Kobe to ask him to sign my jacket, um, he looked. And at the time, I had Will Kareem, Magic, and Jerry West on it. And he looked at it, and he said, you want me to sign this? Because it was his second year in the league. And I, and I go, yeah, Kobe, I want you to sign it. And he goes, are you sure you want me to sign this? And I go, yeah, I want you to sign it. You're going to be a Hall of Famer, and you're going to retire a Laker. And he signed it at that particular point. But I'll never forget the look on his face. The smile that he got when he saw those signatures on there and that I wanted him to sign that jacket I will remember that for all, all my life and he was just a wonderful representative of this of the team of the city and, and he was just a great guy overall and uh, he will be sorely missed.
0: Keith thanks for the call and I know we like to make fun of the you know I've been a fan so that's a cool application I've been a fan since 1967 I like that
1: one. That's a great story
0: Yeah, but like it it It's another place where Kobe was just different. Like, guys – it is so rare for guys to come into the league with the – to to have the the awareness and the recognition of the the history that that represents. And Kobe, of course, famously, you know, grew up a Laker fan getting those VHS tapes sent, you know, to Italy by his grandfather and and, and all this stuff. And and they're just – you know, and I I make that parallel again to LeBron. Like, they're just – there aren't very many guys. And those who have it seem to separate themselves – who approached this with that understanding, not just of their own talent, but also the history of the game. Yeah, I mean,
1: Kobe could have been a basketball historian. Like, if he decided to do that after he retired or even as he was playing, because he just knew the game so well, and he also just, he approached this like a craft, and like he was an artist working in a specific medium, and that medium was basketball. And I think as much as he was just this incredibly, exceptionally competitive force on the court who just wanted to kill everything in front, of him, destroy everything in front of him in order to win games. There really was at, at his heart an artist mm-hmm. in the way he Absolutely. went in the way he went out there. Uh, Zach Lowe, I, I think it's Zach Lowe. Um somebody at ESPN, I apologize if I'm attributing the wrong yeah, author. Give a- it to Zach. I'm sorry, it's Adrian Wojanowski. Ah, give it to Zach. Talked anyway. about a dinner that he had with Kobe where Kobe Spoke about the way Michael Jackson influenced him as a basketball player just because of everything that he did creating thriller and off the wall and the, and the precision and all of that stuff that went along with creating masterpieces. Yeah. And, and let's, I, there's a story kind of related
0: to that that we should tell. Uh, when we come back, we'll also take more of your calls. We're here till noon. Sedano and Michael Thompson following us as we continue to remember, uh, and celebrate the life of Kobe Bryant here on 710 ESPN. Kemanetsky okay, Brothers 710 ESPN uh here with you until noon uh George Sedano, Michael Thompson following us from noon to 3 and then of course Mason and Ireland uh after them as we continue to uh remember Kobe Bryant and uh celebrate his life and Andy you were talking about uh these connections that Kobe would make you know Michael Jackson like all these it's one thing to go if you're Kobe like Hakeem Olajuwon teach me footwork that makes sense like that's which Absolutely. Kobe did at yes. a time where he
1: already had the best footwork of a guard I'd ever seen. He had some of the, had, the best, really the best footwork of a guard anybody had ever seen? Right. And he had arguably the best foot. He was going to Hakeem on specifically to learn post footwork. Kobe's post footwork, forget just for a guard. It was, it was better for, than he most
0: big men. Could taught the bigs. And so, but like that makes sense. Like we I, we heard a great. Uh, this is when we were in on on either Sunday or Monday. I forget exactly, but you know James Worthy describing Kobe getting a call from Kobe, you know wanting to go work with him. You know, Come teach me this that or whatever after eighty one, and James is like, "Dude, you just scored. I think you got it." It's <laughs> like, but they, they never stopped with him. We did an interview a bunch, you know, a few years ago with a guy named David Gelb. And if you don't know him, you might actually, if you're a big Netflix guy and you like food, he directed a a documentary called Euro Dreams of Sushi.
1: And it's about this, you know, sushi master in his 80s. Um, In Japan. In Japan. He's considered the greatest sushi chef in Japan, maybe the entire world.
0: Okay. So we're interviewing this guy about the movie and and he tells this story about Kobe Bryant. He got a cold call from Kobe Bryant. Because he wanted to learn more about this sushi chef. And at first, you know, rightly, he thought it was a prank. He's like, Kobe Bryant's on the line, like, yeah, okay. But it wasn't. It was Kobe because he wanted to learn about this chef. And you're like, why is Kobe calling about a sushi chef? But then you stop and you think about it, Andy. There are very few things in the world of, of food that are more precise, that are more exacting than sushi, then the making of this and this guy was a craftsman in every way and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, now
1: I know why Kobe's called. And also, too, the obsession. I mean, yes. there was the obsession on the part of Euro just to, to take something that on its face is, is very simple. I mean, sushi is a fairly simple food. It's rice. It's a slice of fish. Right, exactly. But just what constitutes the best in that? What constitutes perfection in something like sushi but also, too, Kobe was interested in learning more just about the process of making that documentary because Kobe was starting to move towards that period that, you know, we saw a lot of after he retired, but we even saw bits of it while he was still playing where the storytelling was a thing for him. You remember, I mean, it began really with that Spike Lee, Kobe doing work, mm-hmm. you know, which Kobe was very involved in. And they had the the documentary with uh, Deepak, not Deepak, uh, Gotham, Gotham Chopra. Chopra, Gotham Chopra that if you recall Ramona was talking about this yesterday. They had a version of it with everybody talking about Kobe. Kobe said, "We're scrapping that, and we're redoing this where I'm the voice and You know it felt very Kobe <laughs> that right. that would be the way it would happen. But when you see the way Kobe's post career and and you know the work that he did telling stories. This was Kobe actually making artistic decisions. Yes,
0: and in, in, in this particular case, it's like I, I want this to be about my process. My process is learning who these, and that's what that, that documentary turned into. You know, the 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 muses and all that. And you know, we, LZ, when we were talking to him earlier in the week, told that story about at ESPN the magazine, and they had a whole thing set up with a cover story with him and Phil, and you to know, do it this way. And Kobe said, "No, we're doing it that way." And and you you know, behind the curtain, you are like. This is an enormously disruptive thing when when you have a cover story set up. You've done all the logistics. So much goes into this, and the guy says, "No, we're gonna have to. We're gonna just rip the whole thing up and do it this way." And then you get to these say You get to the end. and He's like, "Well, damn it, he was right. You know, he made it better."
1: And it was oh, the photo for people who don't recall the oh, right. cover of ESPN the magazine where it's half Phil's face, half Kobe's face. Right. We'll see face. if we can find it, and we'll we'll tweet it out for people don't remember. And this was for their second time working together when, when Phil rejoined the Lakers after
0: a year away. And so, like, just this this was always the thing that I found most fascinating the, the, the last five or six years of his career, um, when you really got to understand that it wasn't just basketball it was this sort of this pursuit of excellence this pursuit of perfection was about so much more than that um and would roll into the things that he was doing as a you know as a as a you know after retirement and and going to do and that, that to me is is part of what's so sad about this is like i was really looking forward to that i wanted to see this evolution of this guy over the next 10 15 20 years as a voice for the nba is a voice for the wnba is a voice for artistic stuff and you know increasingly speaking his mind about you know social issues that he thought were important and that that it's just that's not going to happen yeah
1: i mean and you also think about the the wnba career that gianna bryant seemed to be on the path towards certainly wanted right she wanted but by all accounts she was definitely on the path towards having it and the the opportunity to see kobe's daughter potentially change the presentation of the WNBA and, you know, grow it to just the interest that, yeah and like the enthusiasm
0: that Kobe had for the concept of his daughter playing at UConn, his daughter playing, you know, what, I don't know what technically you call this kind of club teams and all this stuff, but like just that,
1: like that was really cool. And then, I mean, obviously there are, there are lives that were lost along with Kobe and Gianna and you also don't know, you don't know what was going to come from them as well. It's just, it's incredibly sad uh mike in hollywood you're on with kamenetsky brothers
4: hi guys good morning um i just wanted to say uh we're real blessed to uh able to uh witness the greatness of kobe bryant growing up as a Lakers fan um just his composure we always felt you know <laughs> we had a chance in the game or whatnot uh just sad we weren't able to see what else he was going to bring after that basketball life um <clears throat> just uh it, it was just great it was just great uh uh, we really enjoyed it. I remember when uh, ap- after the uh, fourth championship, he uh, he addressed the crowd at opening night and and uh, he promised us we were going to be playing till June, and that's when he got the second back to back, which was pretty dope, man. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call, guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank, uh, you. thank you, Mike. You look back on that game too, and just. Again, another one of these just fascinating moments where you felt like you really got to learn about who Kobe was. I mean, we talked to Jay Adonda yesterday, he spent that entire series, Kobe did, and said, I don't care, it's Boston, I don't care. Like, in the end, oh, yeah, he cared. Oh, wait, and, and, he, and, and what was knew, hilarious knew, about that
1: is we knew. Of course. Yeah. We First of all, and, <laughs> the best part of that was, remember, the Lakers had punched their ticket to the finals before the East was settled. The Lakers took out the Suns, I believe, in six games. So they're practicing and they're waiting, and at the time it's Boston playing Orlando, and you know we're all doing the normal thing, which you know you ask the really stupid question of you know do you, have would a pref- you like
5: to play? Or do you have a preference as to
1: yeah. who you play? I mean, it's just a really dumb, cliched question. Everyone's just saying the standard doesn't matter. They're both good teams. All down the line. Till you get to Andrew Bynum, who, God bless him, had no filter whatsoever. Bynum says, oh, we want Boston. Yeah, all of us. We like, want those guys. We, you know, I mean, we'll And go we play knew that guy, because they lost to those guys two years ago in a humiliating fashion.
0: When Kobe, in that press conference afterwards, he showed a vulnerability and a humanity about like how much this meant to him and how difficult it was for him to perform with something that he wanted so badly and like that it was one of the first moments i feel like where like i could be like okay i recognize that in myself like you want something so bad that you you can't get it at the time Um and there were more and more and more and more you know between 2010 and, and when he would re- retire more of those moments where he let you kind of inside and he became more human uh, that i thought were just to me were the most interesting parts of his career uh, and that's saying something uh, coming up next we're going to talk to NBA, ESPN senior NBA writer Andre Snellings as we continue to remember and celebrate the life and career of Kobe Bryant Brian Kamenetsky Andy Kamenetsky 710 ESPN Brian Kamenetsky Andy Kamenetsky 710 ESPN um, LeBron James There uh, over these first couple of days not much coming out of El Segundo understandably so the Lakers released a short statement yesterday and um, regarding both the the game and you know kind of uh, paying respects to the bryant family uh and lebron james last night released a post on instagram that is deeply personal and uh moving just paying tribute to kobe bryant of course lebron on saturday passed kobe on the all-time scoring list and spoke at length about the influence that that kobe had in philadelphia in philadelphia i mean this is the way these things line up um Laker game tonight against the Clippers has been postponed. The Lakers will play on Friday at home against Portland. Uh, but joining us right now is ESPN senior N- NBA writer Andre Snellings. And he, he was... Andre, you were working on something about this link between LeBron and Kobe when this news happened, correct?
5: And first of all, thanks for having me on. I had written a, a story... It it actually ran on Friday. Okay. um, Apologies. About, uh, you know, knowing that LeBron was about to pass Kobe and that the last person LeBron had passed on the scoring list was Jordan. And so it was an article that just went through and looked at some of the crazy numbers that all three of of, of those players had put up and just, you know, looking into how historically great essentially all three of them were.
1: What what do you make of just, the the history of it in terms of th- that type of you know, th- that type of achievement when you look at the three different people involved because there's similarities between all three but the, you can look at pretty big differences between Michael and Kobe and LeBron.
5: Definitely, definitely. It's like you can you can definitely draw similarities and differences between the three of them. One of the things that's been interesting to me in the last couple of days is just looking at the differences between them and everyone else, right? Because with Kobe, um, I don't know. Have you guys kind of broken down his numbers as number eight versus number twenty-four?
0: I've seen. Um, I've seen it done. Yeah, go ahead.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's essentially he had two Hall of Fame careers, like back to back, right? Yeah. Because his number, I mean, he had ten seasons at each number, and he scored sixteen thousand eight hundred sixty-six points as number eight and 16,777 points is number 24, those totals individually, there are 91 players in the Hall of Fame that don't have as many points as either of those. And he did it twice in one career. You know, it's just <laughs> little wow. things like that just, it, it, it almost boggles the mind when you think about uh, what that man's career was.
0: Andre Snelling, senior writer, uh, NBA writer at ESPN, joining us right now. I, The other thing I think is just so kind of perfect about the way you know the the LeBron passing Kobe's. It's it's hard to find two guys who have an, a deeper understanding and appreciation of the history of the game. You know when 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 Kobe passed Jordan, Kobe was fully aware of the magnitude of the history of that and what that meant. And and LeBron the same way. You know he spoke about it, and and Kobe reportedly called. You know it has been confirmed they called LeBron afterwards, and they had that conversation. When you look at that aspect of it, you know how how significant is it?
5: Definitely. I mean these are are moments that in the sports in the NBA world would have already been immortalized, right? These these are, are generations of of this super elite wing player that that we had never really seen before Jordan and now we've had kind of three generations featuring one of them back to back. And yeah, they they all had this a special appreciation of the game. And for Kobe and LeBron in particular, they they shared something in common that Jordan didn't have and that they both went straight from high school to the pros, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, when you look at that kind of group of players that went high school to the pros, Kobe and LeBron feature prominently at the top of all the lists. You know, Kobe, LeBron, uh, KG, and Moses Malone are the only uh, preps to, to pros players that, to score at least 20,000 points. Um, Kobe and KG are about to join. Moses and, and, and T-Mac is the only Hall of Famers not to attend college. And, of course, LeBron will be right with them when it's, you know, when their career ends. Um, Kobe and LeBron are, are two of, of seven players with at least 15 all-star nods. Um, and, again, they're two of the only three to come straight out of high school with that. And so, you know, you just look at the, the, the history, the level of things that they're doing that no one else is doing. And, and so when one of them, yes, you know, reaches an achievement plateau that is populated only by the other, it just really helps you to, to bring home um, that, that, you know, we watched NBA history. Like, this is, these are things that in 100 years people will still be talking about Kobe and LeBron and Jordan and, and, and what they meant to the game.
0: As long as there's certainly as long as there's sports talk radio, uh,
5: oh yeah, yeah. When well, in a hundred years it'll probably be sports talk, like I don't know, holograms uh, or whatever, mind is, to mind yeah. uh, telekinesis or something.
0: When you know LeBron referenced this in his Instagram post that I think most people by now have, have seen, you know, sort of the 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 obligation that he feels and uh, what it means to now play for the Lakers in the wake of all this. Can you kind of put into context what you think this this means for LeBron and and for his relationship to the Lakers and 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 how he might approach this?
5: So it's interesting. Um you know, I am not in the LA community, the Lakers community, mm-hmm. but the impression that I've always had is that LeBron was a supplicant, right? That he's there's been this historically great player, but he was going to kobe's team you know he he was going to the lakers and and la was always going to belong to kobe in this generation and so the timing of this whole thing you know with with lebron passing kobe on the scoring list um the the night before the this tragedy it 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 has the potential to what i'm hoping happens is it has the potential to kind of let the community Wrap their arms around each other, including LeBron and, and, and allow him to, as he mentioned in his Instagram post, kind of really take the baton and say, you know what? I, I feel responsible for, for your legacy and already had responsibilities for bringing the, the, the great franchise back up to the promised land. So, um, I'm hoping that it's a positive, that it's something that everyone can kind of come together on and that maybe it doesn't have to be as much lakers fans then kobe fans then lebron fans and it can just be one big group of people that are all kind of celebrating the same thing
0: andre snelling senior nba writer at espn uh thank you so much for coming on we really do appreciate thanks, it thanks
5: andre yeah thanks for having me
0: you know this this is something that i think andy will will develop over the the next weeks and months and years but like if the, i think the lakers are fortunate Because there's nobody in the league that's better equipped to be able to, I think, understand and handle that uh, obligation going forward than LeBron James, something we can talk a little bit about uh, coming up next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, 710 ESPN.